Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Love you. Hey, uh, this morning we find ourselves in week three of a series titled Better Days, okay? And, and for the last couple of weeks, I've been really the whole theme of 2019 was for us as a church to experience better days, okay? But for us as a church to experience better days, it's going to come down to us on an individual basis um, experiencing a year of holistic health. And as we get healthy as individuals, then our contribution to the church will become more healthy as a church, right? That's kind of the order. So this year, we, we've been using that word holistic health. We want to see our people get healthy in, in all areas, uh, relationally, uh, financially, right, spiritually, for, you know, above all else. But we b- really believe the way that we're going to do this is by fixing our eyes on Jesus, okay? I, I think of Matthew 6, it says, seek first the kingdom and then all these things. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. So this year, our, our heart has been as we fix our eyes on Jesus that we would see growth in every area of our life. So as, as we're casting vision for 2020, um, we wanted to just kind of bring back to the forefront our theme for 2019 before we move on to our theme for 2020. So hence, we've been in this series titled Better Days. And in week one, we discussed not living by sight, but living from faith to faith by faith. Y'all remember that message? Come on, did you get some nuggets out of that message? Felt like it was good. How about week two? We said, take it off. Right? And, we, and we talked about throwing off everything that trips us up and slows us down. Week, week two was awesome. You know, that whole, the whole concept of week two is something that I'm so passionate about as a pastor. So that was fun for me to preach. And then bef- before we get into week three, I want to share two scriptures with you, if that's okay. Our first one is found in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 2. And it says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others... You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Then in Luke's gospel, we find, and this passage is, you know, quick little Bible 101. Um, there was a, you know, the first four books of the New Testament are the four gospels. Gospel means good news, okay? So I, <laughs> you know, this is sad, but until I was like a, until I became an older teenager, I didn't even know that the first four Bibles of the New Testament were all the same story. I remember being in my bedroom reading and being like, I think I already read this. Like I was literally, I was so confused. But, but as I grew and matured and my knowledge of the word, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all the story about Jesus. So basically, you know, three of those books are from first eyewitness accounts, people who walked with Jesus. And, and while they spent time with Jesus, they documented the things he said. They wrote about the things that he did and they documented it. So that, that's why we have scripture from Matthew and then we have scripture from Luke, okay? Two different dudes, but this is where Jesus, he's giving his sermon on the mount. That's where these two scriptures are pulled from, okay? A little Bible 101. Here we go. Let's continue on. So Luke 6, 37 through 38, it says this, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Here's what I know about the God that we serve. He's generous. 
The God we serve is incredibly generous and God wants his children to be generous too. And and if we're gonna experience better days as believers, we have to grow in the spiritual discipline of generosity, okay? And you're like, spiritual discipline? Well, maybe for you, generosity comes naturally, but maybe others are like Pastor Mark and generosity is a spiritual discipline that takes intentionality. Anyone say amen? (laughs) Amen, thank you for being honest. Um, But regardless, regardless of where we fall on the spectrum as followers of Christ, a part of our calling, part of the reason where we were created, part of our everyday life is to be generous. Okay, that, that's a part of the call God's placed on our life. And, and mostly because we're created in his image, the goal is to be more like Jesus and Jesus is generous. Amen? But I also want us to understand that if we're going to experience better days, there's great, enormous blessing that's attached to being a generous Jesus follower. When we're generous, God blesses it. So the title of my message this morning is this, if you're taking notes, uncomfortably generous. Uncomfortably generous. I'll pray and then we'll get into this. Jesus, we love you. And Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather in your house, to worship you, to give you praise, to learn more about your word and your son and how he lived. Father, I pray that right now you till the soil of our hearts as the seed of your word goes forth. I pray that it would take root in our hearts and grow to produce fruit in our lives. Father, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers also. So I pray that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit today to live out your truths in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Here's the deal. God's the greatest giver of all time. Okay, God loved the world so much that he, y'all are smart. Seriously, he, he gave more than we could ever ask or imagine. Our God, no one's more generous than our God, amen? Now, when I look at the scriptures, there's over 2,000 scriptures on money and possessions. In fact, Jesus talks about money in 16 of his 38 parables in the, in the gospels. And he, I really believe that God cares deeply about how we steward our finances, I think God cares deeply about it. And I'd like to suggest that the way we handle our finances demonstrates to God what takes priority in our life. What we're willing to spend our money on or give our money to, that's probably gonna give us a good indication of what our priority is in life, what we're putting our trust in. So um, as we go on, I really believe that for us as believers, the, the key to us experiencing better days is allowing our relationship with Jesus to take precedence over everything else. Okay? Y'all, would y'all agree with me? Amen. So I want to share this verse with you again. It's Matthew 7, verses 1 through 2. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We look at this verse and what would we say the main topic or, or, or the main subject is in the context? What is he talking about here? He's talking about judging, being judged, right? No secret. You don't have to be bashful this morning. First service wasn't lively at all. I'm expecting more out of service number two, okay? So a- another question here, does this verse talk about money at all? No, it doesn't. So we agree, it's talking about judging, it's not, it's not talking about money. And then, so let's go to Luke 6, our, our second scripture that we shared with you in the beginning. Luke 6, 37, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. 
And then we go down to verse 38 in Luke 6, and it says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And like I said before, this is the same passage, you know, um, Matthew and Luke, they're both listening to Jesus, or, or they're both writing down from his sermon on the mount, okay, writing down what he said. Now, it's important to understand Matthew was a fisherman, so Matthew is a lot more like Pastor Mark, a little simple-minded, okay? Uh, just do the grunt work, get it done, and let someone else be the brains, <clears throat> Josh. And then we, had, <laughs> then we had Luke, then we had Luke, who was, the, he's a physician, okay? He's a doctor, so he's a little more of an intellect. He's a little more detailed by nature. So in these two Gospels, you can see it in their writing, okay? So Luke, let, so let's read Luke 6, 37 through 38. Luke writes this. He says, do not judge. You can tell his is, is a little more detailed. Do not judge and you will not be judged. So, so it's about judging there. But then he says, do not condemn and you will not be condemned. So now he's kind of changing the subject. He says, forgive. He flips it to the positive. He says, forgive and you'll be forgiven. And then he says, give and it will be given to you. So, so, okay. And, and then he says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. He says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What was the topic of Matthew 7? Judging. The, the, the topic that we saw in, in Luke 6, judging was there, but, but then there's more, right? And, and I think there's a principle that's embedded in this passage. I think something to pull from it is this. Give, and it will be given to you. Good or bad? Would y'all agree? So give, and it will be given to you. So let's take down, I want to give you a little uh, grammar lesson here, okay? Let me, let me put my teacher pants on for a second. Y'all just call me Mr. Griffith for the next five minutes while I give you a little grammar lesson here, okay? So give, in verse 38, is the verb. A verb is an action class, okay? And then Jesus is saying in verse 38, you give, you give, and it. It is a subject pronoun. It doesn't actually exist. We have to put something in place for it, okay? So therefore, it has to be replaced with something. So Jesus was saying, you give, and it, whatever you give, will be given back to you. And then he uses the terms, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So I want to keep my teacher pants on here for a minute, but I'm going to step out of our grammar lesson. We're going to step into a history lesson, Okay? taking you all over the map today, every subject. So, but it's like a Christian school, though. <laughs> so, um, basically, back in the day, you know, with the Israelites, it was the season for harvesting. Part of the way the economy worked, part of meeting the, uh, you know, the, the need of those less fortunate is farmers were to leave a little bit of their crop, a little bit of their wheat behind for the needy to gather, okay? So in the time of harvest, there were harvesters who were paid. These were called primary harvesters. And they would just fill up their buckets and then they'd bring it to the owner of the farm or the owner of the land. They'd bring it to the wagon that was gonna pull it to the barn or maybe they had um, you know, access to the barn right there so they could fill up their baskets, bring it to the barn and load up the barn. But they were supposed to leave a little bit of the crops like the corner of the fields for the needy. So the needy could bring their baskets and their buckets to fill up theirs and take it home to feed themselves and their families. So the primary harvesters, they would just 
you know, it doesn't really matter if they fill up their buckets all the way or not. They're getting paid by the hour, right? So if it's three-fourths full, if it's overflowing, if it's, there's a little bit, oh, I'll be back in a minute, you know, I'll get the rest of it, it'll be fine, pour it out, keep going, they're working all day. Well, here's the deal. If you're needy or if you're poor, you don't own the field. You, you probably don't own um, a donkey F-150, right? <laughs> so, you know, a Dodge donkey or whatever it'd be. So you got your basket that you can bring to the field, but you might have to walk. You might not be able to afford a wagon or something to carry all the grain. So that basket that you have, what are you, you going to do? You're going to fit as much in that basket as possible. You're going to press it down, right? So what they do, they, they put their grains into the basket. The, the primary harvesters, they'd be dumping, they'd be going back and forth, whatever. But, but then the the people trying to, the needy, the poor, trying to fit as much grain is, they would be very careful to put good measure into their basket, right? So they would proceed to press down, compress the grains together to create more room. And then after topping it off, they'd shake it to settle the grain, right? So they could fit even more into their basket. And you can see here, it meant a lot more to receive a basket of good measure, a free basket of good measure, than one that was just filled up, right? It was far better to receive a basket of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over basket of free grain than one they just scooped up from the ground. And in verse 38, Jesus is using this as a picture to demonstrate and to teach us this very simple lesson that whatever you give, not just judging, not just condemning, not just forgiving, whatever you give, whatever you give, you're going to get back more in God's economy. And, and what that tells me is that Luke 6:38 can be a really awesome, powerful verse or it can be a very concerning verse depending on what I'm giving out of my heart, right? Depending on what I'm giving others, what I'm producing out in the world. And although the main subject here is judging, I, I think even this truth can be applied to our finances. I think it's a biblical principle that applies to all areas. But Jesus is saying, whatever you give, you'll get back. And it can be anything, good or bad. So here's the problem I have with the way Luke 6.38 is often taught. I think a lot of times it's taught as the motive to give is to get back rather than receiving is the reward of our giving, right? It, we, we don't give just to get. We give because we serve a God who gives and we're made in his image and we want to be more like him. But there's great reward in that. But what the reward does for us is it frees us up to give freely like he freely gave us. Like, it, like if I trust that God is who he says he is, that he's the supplier of my needs, that when I give, he's going to bless all areas of my life, that he's going to open up the floodgates of heaven over my life, it says this in the scriptures, then I can freely give, trusting my God's going to provide for me. Right? Okay, getting off my notes here. So oftentimes, though I feel like it's taught, give so you can get, it's so much, it's so much more than that. The, the reward is just a part of it. But if you look at Luke 6.30, I don't have it up here, but it says, give to everyone who asks you. Jesus says, give to everyone who asks you. And then verse 36, it says, and when you loan money to someone, don't even expect it back. Be that free. 
this is, this is wild, right? But, but I think the point, Luke 6 is saying, give to give. Give to give. Give because you serve a God who is generous. Give because you serve a God who loves to give. Amen? Don't give to get, give to give. And God doesn't just bless giving, but I think the thing that brings him most pleasure, the thing that leaves him most well-pleased is when we give with the right heart and the right motive. And, and I believe when we give with the right heart and the right motive, that's when he pours out the fullness of his blessing over our life. But really what, what determines whether or not that giving is pure or not is, is the condition, the atmosphere of our heart when we give. When we give, what, is, what does your heart look like? It's true, when we give, God will give back to us. But again, that shouldn't be the motive for why we give. I think today, you know, one of the things I want you to grab out of here is the Lord's concerned with our heart. And when it comes to giving especially, he's concerned with the attitude of our heart. Deuteronomy 15.10, it says this, give generously. Let's say that together. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Be generous and, and don't be upset about it, okay? Without a grudging heart, then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. In a little bit of your work? No, in, in all your work. This is a huge promise. This is huge. I just thought about Donald Trump, you know. This is gonna be huge. A huge promise you'll never believe. It's going to be huge. All right. <laughs> because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. That, that's, a, that's a massive, I have to use a different word, that's a massive promise, okay? And in verse 10, he makes it very clear to the Israelites in verse 10, he makes it clear to the Israelites. He says, when you give, don't let your hearts be grieved. Don't, don't let your hearts be grieved. And he's saying in the Old Testament, what he said in the New Testament, this simple principle that God loves a cheerful giver. Are you a cheerful giver? Are you a cheerful giver? Because God loves a cheerful giver. And as we grow to become a cheerful giver, if we're not, there's a couple of things that we probably have to swab out of our hearts. So this morning, I wanna talk about three really practical things that we have to do leading up to becoming a cheerful giver, okay? And the first one, or, or before I read that, I, I wanna read this. Deuteronomy 15, verses seven through nine. Notice, to, to be a cheerful giver, and to have the right heart, there, there's some things we're gonna have to address within ourselves. But I'm, I wanna read this verse here, Deuteronomy 15, verses seven through nine. It says, but if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. I love that description, tight-fisted. I just picture someone who's just hanging on to what they have and they don't wanna let it go. Right? Don't be tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be what? Generous. Uncomfortably generous, right? And lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debt is close at hand. 
if you refuse to make the loan, the needy person cries out to the and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. This is, this is some strong language around this idea of being a stingy Jesus follower or, or a stingy believer, okay? J- just some of the words I see here, hard-hearted, right? Uh, what else is Mean-spirited. That, that last line, was I the only one who saw that? Guilty of sin? Now, so, so, so do we want to become pure-hearted, generous Jesus followers? Do we want to become that? Yes. Okay. So here's what we're going to have to do. There's a couple things we're going to have to deal with first. Number one, you can write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, we'll call you up to the altar after. That's okay. (laughs) Point one is this. We need to deal with the selfishness in our heart. We have to deal with our selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15.9, it says, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debt is close at hand. I'll talk about this whole year of canceling debt and, and what they're talking about. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. God is clearly labeling these selfish thoughts as wicked. And what selfishness does is is it whispers that we won't have enough or that God won't be faithful to meet our need, right? So I want to show you something from uh, these three verses. In, In the Israeli economy, Every seven years, they had what they would call as the year of Jubilee. And basically, in this economic system or whatever you would call it, every seven years, everyone would be wiped and cleared of their debts. So what this verse is talking about is maybe you're in year six, right? And old Johnny wants up and he, and he wants a donkey on a four-year payment plan. And you're like, ah, he can stop paying for this donkey after a year because the year of Jubilee's coming up. I don't know. Maybe I should wait a year, then sell it to him. He's saying, don't be like that. Just give him the donkey, take the loan. And for us to live like that, we have to really trust that God is who he says he is, that he's really gonna supply our needs. Right? That's the, I, I really feel like having this trust that God is who he says he is, that's the only thing that can free us up to give like that. So anyway, this uh, year of Jubilee, and, and I said this to last service, but, um, you know, so, so at the end of the sixth year, the seventh year, you're forgiven of all your debts, whatever it might be. It, it could be a piece of land, a home, an animal, whatever it had been, you're wiped away. School loans, come on. Let's write letters to President Trump. Amen? What do you guys say? I don't know why he keeps coming up in this message, but it's prophetic. I don't know. But God's saying when someone comes to you with a need, don't even think about the year of Jubilee, that, that seventh year of debt being released. He, he says, just lend to them and trust that I'll provide for you. I gave you all you had in the first place, and I can give you more if I so choose, right? But, but God says when we do consider it, when we, when we get selfish, right, when, when we get ambitious with what he's given us, he, he says hard-hearted. He, he uses words like hard-hearted mean-spirited, and even sinful, right? And for us, I think it's a part of our makeup. How many of y'all got kids, right? I mean, your kids, by nature, would you say they're pretty selfish? Me, me, me? Yeah, aren't you glad that goes away when you get old? Man, praise the Lord. Just, I'm so glad I don't deal with that anymore. 
You know, like I, I think even for me, getting married really exposed how selfish I was. You know, it's like, no, I, I want to lay here. You turn off the light, you know? <laughs> Lord, just change something in her heart, Jesus. Who do, you, who do you think God will bless, the open hand or the closed fist, the tight-fisted? Who do you think? Come on. If, if we want to live in better days, and if we, if we want to be generous as we're called to be as Jesus followers, we, we need to swab out some of that selfishness, y'all. Okay? Point number two. We need to deal with a grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, it says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Massive promise. Men, men if I give your God, your God, if I give, you're saying you'll bless every part of my life. You'll bless everything I put my hand to. That's, a, that's amazing. Why, why haven't I been given more? Right, I, I read these verses and I'm challenged and I'm convicted and I'm, I'm almost encouraged and inspired to give more to be more generous. It's almost like God's making it easy to be generous, but yet we let our, our selfishness or, or we let the, the grieving in our heart, oh, I don't want to stop us from receiving all that God has for us. You know what? It almost begs the question, what blessings are you missing out on because you're being stingy? What blessings are you missing out on because you're not willing to be generous? It doesn't take talent to be generous, y'all. This is something we can, we're all capable of of doing. God is telling us to give, but he instructs us, he instructs us when we do. Don't don't give then go out and grieve in your hearts after being obedient in your giving. Don't mourn or grieve about what you could have done with that money. And here's what we see, selfishness attacks us before we give, and then after we give, the grieving creeps in, right? It's like the enemy attacks us with selfishness, and then if we overcome that, then we got to deal with this grieving process. Anyone ever heard of like buyer's remorse? Right? You go to the store, you know, you drop a lot of money on whatever, a George Foreman or something like that, something nice. I don't know. <laughs> and then you're, you're at home and you're like, oh my gosh, I got the deluxe version. Was, I spent the extra $25. Buyer's remorse, and you, and you take it back the next day, and you return it because you grieved in your heart. Oh, that was a little, too, I spent too much, right? And, and think about our, our giving in the kingdom, right? You, you, you say you go to church, and you make your tithe or your offering or, or whatever you decided to give at church, and then you get home, and, and you got bills on the table. The bills come in the mail, and you say, ah, I knew I shouldn't have given that much at church, or, or I helped out my buddy Bill, right? Bill had something going on in his house. It's, man, there's just too many bills in my life right now. Just, there's just bills everywhere. <laughs> Amen. Someone knows a bill. Come on. Man, man this grief, it, it, it creeps up on us. But God's saying, listen, be free from that. You don't have to grieve. If I supplied it to you before, I can supply it to you again, and I can give you more. Press down, shaken together, sifted out, overflowing, right? Trust me. Trust I'm your, I'm your provider. Trust I'm your supplier. Give freely. Don't be bound by your selfishness 
or, or, or don't be a giver who grieves after. Just give freely because we serve a God who gave freely to us. Give because God first gave to you, amen? Kim, if you wouldn't mind jumping up on the keys, I'm about to wrap this thing up here. And point three, here's what we need to do. We need to develop a generous heart. We need to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, verse 14, it says this. Supply them liberally from your flock. Okay, so that's your animals, your farm, your livestock. This is how you make your money from your flock, from your fleshing floor, threshing floor, okay? That's your, that's your grains, your wheat, your food supply. All these things are keeping you alive at this time, right? These are all your most important things. It's, it's, and then it says, and your wine press. We'll talk about that later. No, I'm just... Supply them liberally from, your, from, from all these things. And why? Why is God instructing us to give? Because there's a, there's a promise attached to this. He says, give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you, right? So he's blessed me so much. He's been so generous to me. You know what? I I need to do the same. I'm made in his image. I I need to show the people around me who the God is that I serve. And they're going to see it through my generosity. And honestly, I I can be generous freely. I can give freely. Because if I'm a person who gives, Scripture tells me God's going to supply me what I need to be a giver, right? If I give, he's just going he, to keep on giving to me. That's who he is. That's what we see in the Scriptures. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to move from mere consumers to generous contributors. My heart is that Destiny Church Marshfield will be the most generous church in America. Because if we are, we'll be the most blessed church in America. doesn't start when we get a promotion at work, right? It it, it doesn't start when we sell the house. It starts right here, right now. Luke says, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. Are you being generous with what God has given you right now? Because you don't get more than start being generous. It's a condition of the heart. It's not based off what I have. It's, It's based off who I am, okay? Are we becoming generous Jesus followers? I get it, y'all. We were born selfish. But also, when we stepped into a relationship with Jesus, he gave me his Holy Spirit. He made me new. So I know my, I know my flesh is selfish. But, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be generous. Okay? I, I can be new. I can be made new. Worship team, you can come on up. In closing today, here's the deal. It, 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 it's, it's all about the heart. It starts in the heart. And when God does a work in our hearts, um, we begin to give simply not, not to get, but give because he first gave to us. And we can trust that God's going to reward our giving. I want us to understand the, the, the promises, our blessing. That this is key. The promises of our blessings after we give, they're, they're not so we will give to get. But I really believe that God's put it in place like that so we can freely give. So we can give and be generous, worry-free. That's why he's given us the promises he has. So church, come on, let's be generous. Amen? Let, let's, let Destiny Church Marshfield be a, a church that's full of generous people, okay? And, and, and 
remember the, the Bible says, yes, when you give whatever it might be, forgiveness, mercy, love, judgment, or condemnation, grace, or money, it will be given to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.